Thank you for listening to this edition of CDN Media's Solution Spotlight. I'm your host, J.D. Miller, Vice President at CDN Media. We have a great podcast for you today, the third in our three-part series with our partners at Zscaler and Silverpeak. In our previous two episodes, we've discussed the challenges facing organizations as applications move to the cloud, users become increasingly mobile and are working from everywhere, and how organizations need to embrace a SASE model and transform both the WAN network and security. With Derek Granath, VP Product and Technical Marketing, Silverpeak, and Bill Lapp, Solution Architect, Global Leader at Zscaler, we discussed how Zscaler and Silverpeak can help organizations implement an integrated SASE solution that enables organizations to maximize their return on their cloud investments, mitigate risk to the enterprise, and deliver increased business agility and lower costs. Along with Bill and Derek, today we're continuing our conversation and welcoming Rob McDougall, Head of Core Infrastructure Technologies, and Chris Butcher, Global Network and Security Architect from Cushman and Wakefield to discuss their WAN and security transformation journey and the challenges they faced that drove them to transform their organization. We'll talk about how they have transformed their WAN and security infrastructure to address the challenges of a cloud and mobile world. Excited to dive into a lot of great topics today, but first I want to start with Rob. Tell us about your organization. What should someone know if they're not familiar with Cushman and Wakefield? Good morning. Uh, Cushman and Wakefield is a, a global leader in commercial real estate. Uh, we have about 53,000 employees currently in over 400 offices and in about 70 countries. Uh, well, for full service real estate firm, one of the top three globally. And uh, we have, have offices all throughout uh, EMEA, APAC, and the Americas. Fantastic. You know, Chris and Rob, what were the business drivers and challenges that drove your transformation and led you to roll out Silverpeak SD-WAN and Zscaler's cloud security platform? So with Cushman and Wakefield, um, we went through a major merger about four years ago, and we basically are made up of about three or four large organizations, which all kind of merged into one. And at that sort of stage, we had a very disparate network. There was lots of inconsistencies across the board, and we wanted to create a brand new global WAN network. Um, we were looking really for some of the latest and new emerging technologies, uh, and really wanted to look at SD-WAN as our, our new platform to deliver that network. Um, SD-WAN was still fairly new to the market at that stage, so we wanted to make sure we went with one of the, the more market-leading organizations that had a well-established uh, and good support base as well. And that's why we, we kind of led with Silverpeak to roll out our, our SD-WAN implementation and to deliver this new global network. Um, as part of that, obviously, we were also looking at more direct internet access within the branch offices and retiring some of that legacy MPLS network that we had out there in the globe. And that sort of led to us looking a little bit at whether we put branch office firewalls into um, the branches directly or whether we looked at more cloud-based technology. Uh, and we chose the direction really to go towards the cloud because it, it made life a lot simpler to take some of the compute and storage and some of the support issues that you may find on some of the branch office. And again, to go with one of the market-leading vendors. Um, and there was a very good model to really look at Silverpeak doing kind of a GRE implementation into Zscaler. 
And that really fitted quite nicely to make sure that we could have a good seamless integration between our branch office and provide some of the more SaaS and PaaS applications that we were rolling out globally as part of our merger to really utilize the fastest possible connectivity. And that's what led us to basically use those two vendors. What were your challenges of providing fast and secure connectivity in a work from anywhere environment, including the evolving branch office? One of the things we wanted to do is make sure that really we had a, a unified security model across the board, no matter whether the user was in the office or whether the user was remote or road warrior out or on the road working. So we, we wanted to make sure we really had that follow the user security model. And that's what sort of uh, led us to looking at Zscale as well, the fact we could have that more unified security policy that if they're in the office or working remotely, we could provide that same higher level of security. Um, and it really, especially with, with modern day times, it has really helped us to, to integrate uh, a more mobile workforce and also to quite easily stand up new applications. And as and when we sort of uh, acquired any new organizations, we could easily and seamlessly integrate them into our environment. Chris, it's Bill up here. So can you speak a little bit too on just your employee profile? Because I think Cushman Wakefield, you've got a pretty big variation of types of employees. And how did that factor into what you were describing with following the user with consistent security policies? Yeah, so uh, as you said, we, we have very different models, very different business units that function in very different ways, uh, as well as obviously uh, legal compliance and sort of government-based contracts as well. So we wanted to make sure we really had uh, very robust security uh, and making sure that uh, we could very easily have that more integrated model to, to really deliver those core critical applications, be them residing within our data centers anywhere in the globe, where we could then deliver that SD-WAN environment uh, and route that traffic through very quickly. Um, integrating with Zscaler as well meant that we could have a very consistent model. And with our, a lot of our users that roam around the globe, it makes it very easy for them to just move uh, from point A to point B and still have that same security and that same consistent approach across the board. I'll go ahead and add on here if you don't mind. Uh, this is Robert McDougall. Um, our, our, our workforce is, is comprised of many different um, lines of business, not, not just brokerage, the traditional office worker, but remote office workers. Uh, we have asset and property management offices throughout the world. Um, small offices that don't can't afford and or don't have the equipment to do some of the same things the corporate office can do and we were having um, challenges over office 365 performance voice over broadband uh, you know application performance um, certainly security concerns so um, those are all important factors in this this journey was there user experience challenges in that? I assume you're probably using the more traditional approaches of, you know, VPN, um, maybe some hardware firewalls and things of that nature in that type of setup. You know, what were the user experience challenges or what was the thing, you know, other than using the more advanced or newer technologies, what were those driving factors? Because with all those, you know, independent brokers, they're all like lawyers or partners. They all have a stake in the business. What, what drove you to make some of these bigger changes in business perspective? 
Yeah, so one of the, the big challenges we looked at was really trying to look at more centralized applications as well. So if you look at part of our journey to go into more SaaS applications, we wanted to make sure that uh, we had a standard platform across the board with things like uh, Skype for Business at the time, uh, now, nowadays Teams. Um, and with applications like that, we wanted to make sure that we could provide the best possible performance. So as you said, we had those legacy VPN clients that resided onto the laptop that then brought them back into a data center, all their traffic was content filtered and then routed back out to the internet. With things, uh, applications such as real-time voice, you wanna make sure you're providing the best possible user experience. And to be honest, uh, with some of those applications, they were challenging to get through the files and not have any performance degradation. So to really look at embracing uh, some of the, the cloud offerings of Zscaler, and especially for those workers that were based in a branch office or based remotely, we could make sure that we could give them that direct internet access for those key critical applications and not compromise on security by making sure we're rooting them via Zscaler as well. So it's really making sure that for those big drive to the cloud and to the SaaS and the PaaS applications, uh, that we could deliver the fastest possible performance to the backend applications rather than backhauling everything up to data centers and then uh, out of to a central egress point. You know, when I talk to a lot of enterprises, you know, there's a lot of fear around changes like this, right? It's a lot less risk to just keep doing an incremental improvement, incremental change versus, you know, really changing your overall architecture. I remember we met just a few months before you purchased our solution and you had a really big focus on deployment, deployment success. How do you do this cleanly? How do you work with your partners to make sure that this happens? Maybe if you could give us some insight, Chris, on you know, how did you approach these changes, right? I mean, do you start with the win or security first? You know, did you evolve the architecture differently from you know, the start to finish? What are some of the thoughts on how you turned this, what looks to be a major change, but into reality? Yeah, I think the first thing you have to look at is where it was made of multiple different organizations as well, and the network was very disparate across the board. When you're merging huge organizations like this together, there's lots of IP address conflicts. I think we, we counted about 200 IP conflicts uh, straight away between all our branch offices and data centers. With work that could have taken several years, we managed to kind of achieve that in about a six-month period. Uh, and we did that really by looking at going through things like Silver Peak, where we could then go through and change the way our network was designed. We had a more regional-based focus. So we had an American branch office network, an APAC branch office network, a China branch office network, Australia and EMEA. And by segmenting in that way, we could create a fully mesh network. We could resolve all those IP address conflicts and bring that interconnectivity together. Uh, and making sure that all of those branches could communicate with each other quite smoothly and easily using uh, things like Skype for Business uh, and uh, direct point of contact between those two uh, users rather than back calling to a data center and back across. Once we resolved all those issues within the individual region and created our mesh network, it enabled us to then do the interconnect and link everything together and have smaller routing tables and make it a lot more manageable uh, and improve the structure, but it's also making sure that we can deliver those critical applications, no matter whether they're at the data center and provide the fastest path across over whichever is the best performing internet link or um, over the VPN overlays, or 
whether we then start looking at the communication direct to the cloud and then egressing it locally. And this is where we really started looking at the network side first to work out where are our applications, where, where's the critical information that we need to get to these brokers, the people that are really going to make money for our organization. Um, making sure that we could design and look at it very much more in an application-centric layer, um, break it down in that way. So then, whilst we were doing that, we were also then implementing the security at the same time for that traffic that's leaving via the internet side. We still had the security at the data center layer, but really as we went through and built that branch network, security easily fit in quite nicely by looking at that sort of cloud implementation of Zscaler and the GRE tunnels from the Silver Peaks. So the network part was a little bit in advance, but really they, they complemented each other very nicely to go hand in hand and, and kind of roll out at the same time. And now it's just a very easy transition. If a new branch comes online, we do a tech refresh. It's just very simple. We roll out that core infrastructure, which is all virtualized. We can stand it up, bring it into Silver Peak very quickly, and then easily create those quick and simple links up into our Zscaler. Um, and literally, you can stand up a branch office within a couple of hours quite easily now. And that is one of the things that we see actually as a, as a big benefit. People oftentimes ask this question, you know, which comes first? And in reality, you, when you said you went with Zscaler for consistent policy, the nice thing is, is you're doing it once in the cloud. So whether that traffic was going from your main egress or you start to peel it out at the local direct internet access points, it's the same policy. It's just where the traffic comes from. So, you know, we do see that a lot. You set up your security policy in the cloud and then you just deliver it there in many different ways. You just keep peeling off traffic as you go in the direct internet access. Um, have you gotten any feedback from the team members on what their experience is like now from before? You know, like accessing the cloud apps, move to Office 365. You know, I'm sure you have a pretty vocal user base. Yes, definitely. These are people that obviously, especially when there's high demand, uh, and these are people that want to work very smartly. They're very much driven on their sort of profits and things like that, and very much with the incentive to deliver to the client. Uh, uh, and the fast turnaround that they need to achieve. From that point of view, we've had some very positive feedback, uh, especially in the last three to six months with some of the technology and the drivers, which we'll probably come to a bit later, uh, that we've delivered across the network uh, with things like COVID-19. Um, but from that point of view, what they're noticing is the applications that we're rolling out, these cloud-based applications, they work smoothly, they work seamlessly. Um, and to try and move people off of some of their legacy telephony system that they're used to, they like, they know it works, and over to a new platform that can not only provide the same functionality they had before, but also enable them to collaborate and work closer as a team. I think that the uptake from the business has been very, very positive, and, and they've noticed a real, uh, real improvement to the way they can work now and work as a team. Robin and Chris, this is Derek from um, Silver Peak. Um, I want to shift gears just a little bit. We've talked a little bit about technology. We've talked about a lot of the benefits that your users have gotten in terms of better performance from the cloud. But from a business standpoint, you know, was your IT group given any objectives from the, the top lines of the business that drove this transformation? And um, if so, are there any metrics that you might be able to share with our listeners uh, that you're being measured against? Sure, as you can imagine, uh, the, the business and, 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 and my leadership uh, initially were concerned about cost. 
right? It's 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 a very cost driven uh, from the leadership and and trickle down to us. Uh, we started looking at uh, where we could optimize costs, and 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 then from a technical perspective, it's it's not what we're as concerned about, it has to work. We have to give a consistent experience. We have to, um, uh, you know, understand where our applications and how to optimize our applications as well as worry about costs. So I can't stress enough how important it is to understand where your circuits are, uh, how they're being managed and paid. Um, we engaged a few uh, tel, tel, telco brokers, so to speak, in the Americas to start doing an analysis. We also um, engaged a firm globally to understand costs and to start looking at a, uh, an internet access or a dual internet access um, strategy and start decommissioning some of our legacy MPLS providers networks. So that was a very challenging piece uh, with three or four more uh, legacy firms with different ERPs and uh, different cost models of how to uh, pay for their. So some of these things weren't even understood or visible to us to, to make a business plan that made sense. So very challenging uh, to, to achieve those savings that, uh, that our, our leadership are looking for with, with uh, no visibility into the costs. So I, I can't stress enough how important it is to make sure your foundational numbers are correct. You know where all the circuits, circuits are. You know where, in essence, everything lives and how it's being paid. Uh, so again, that, that was a big piece. Uh, took us a good six to eight months to to come up with a, a good business case to drive this. You've also mentioned mergers and acquisitions, and there's obviously lots and lots of complexity when you're merging two companies or you're acquiring a company. From an IT perspective, you know, can you comment on on how long it would take to implement the IT aspects of an M&A before SD-WAN and before Zscaler Cloud Delivered Security and the change and how much more quickly it can be done now after this transformation? Yeah, I, I think from that point of view as well, what we have to look at with a lot of our M&As um, is there's very much, a, <laughs> there's different types of M&As that we have. So obviously there could be the, the standard M&A where there's just a number of offices which is nice and easy. And we can go in very simply and very quickly and just go through and do a quick tech refresh, implement our infrastructure, implement that, that kind of pre-built virtual appliance, uh, which has all of our infrastructure ready to go, stand up those tunnels and just bring those branch offices online and very quickly rip and replace infrastructure and bring them and integrate them straight away. Then you have those more complicated ones as well, where there's data center infrastructure, we need to ingest all of their data, all of their servers, bring it into our centralized data centers as well. Um, and those are the ones that can be the most challenging. Um, with SD-WAN and with the recent MLA we're working on at the moment, we can easily stand up a Silver Peak appliance and we can pull in multiple terabytes of data very quickly and ingest it into our backbone network. 
um, and really enable us to stand up our infrastructure in parallel, register those data center integrations. And this is where technology such as Silverpeak has been so easy for us, especially with the move into the more zone-based security as well, and the more firewall policies that you can put on there, which means that we can apply some additional layers of security and just focus in on that data ingest to really make sure that we can integrate that organization quickly. Um, it's helped us on quite a few M&As recently where there may be a challenge in getting a, a point to point circuit in place to do that data ingest. You're time limited. You've got to make sure that you have a time that you need to complete certain tasks to do the integration. Uh, and those are written into our contracts. So standing up a silver peak and quickly putting that data over standard internet pipes has made a considerable distance to the way we do, uh, difference to the way we do M&As in the future. So, you know, just speaking on, you know, some of the metrics and M&As, you know, one of the things I've, I've, I think you've done an amazing job of is leveraging the data um, to make business decisions. And I think you talked a little bit about making the business case up front, but two things I've noticed afterwards is you went back and measured the results of this for your leadership team um, against what was expected. So I guess my first question would be is, can you provide some insight in on that? Um, the measurement of it, right? Post post purchase, you know, we always have these big promises up front. Did you get what you thought you were going to get? Did it deliver against the business case that you had? I mean, jokingly, I wouldn't be here with you right now if I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leading question, I suppose. But not everyone always measures it. Sometimes they talk about how good it is without real facts. You have facts. <laughs> We realized our savings uh, very quickly and were able to show that. Um, there were other things that, 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 that went on um, as far as decommissioning legacy circuits and making sure they weren't billing anymore in some cases uh, in, in our European countries. None of those things um, came off of our, 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 our billing and we continued to, to pay unknowingly and so I again I stress how important it is to uh, understand where these circuits are and who's paying for them and understanding um, that you need to have people and resources and, and not just technical people on on this journey but understanding how we can get our the visibility into our billing aspects, decommissioning these these legacy circuits, and understanding um, where and how we get those synergies quickly. So I, I keep going back to the administrative pieces of this, but it's oftentimes things that people miss during their journey to Silver Peak or WAN transformation. Um, all those small things can add up to quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, I, it's interesting. I, I looked at my own eight personal AT&T bill the other day and I realized I was being charged for service on two different Apple watches, not just one. Now it's only $10 a month fee, but it's still $10 I was paying for a device I no longer even own. And it happens the same way, of course, when you're a global conglomerate, right? Where you have businesses all over the world and who knows how many different suppliers. So you know, finding each of those bills that are no longer appropriate, that goes back to funding either profitability per business, I assume, or funding other projects to help improve you know, the IT experience. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting that 
you know, Christian Wakefield is doing is using, lots of times tech companies use data that comes out of these systems just for technical reasons. But you've been able to use some of your understanding of your WAN traffic, the security side, to understand your user base a bit more. You know, like, so for example, I think, you know, during COVID understanding, you know, what is the flow or where your workers are working for being able to understand when you can go back to the office or things of that nature. Maybe could you give some insight on, you know, what has been your approach to using some of this data to drive general business decisions and not just understanding like utilization of a link or something? So as part of COVID-19, obviously, uh, we certainly had pretty much our entire workforce working remotely. Um, as part of our, our Zscode implementation that we've been doing in the branch offices, we were already at the point where we were ready to go out and deploy and roll out the Zscale F client. So we literally deployed it out to 25,000 users immediately. All of the remote workers uh, that were critical to the business got the client straight away. As part of that rollout of that client, it's enabled us to really pull back lots of analytics data. So not only could we start looking at who was actually still based within those offices and, and some of those key workers that are looking after some of those critical uh, organizations. So if we look at some of our client base, some of the prisons, the healthcare, um, the workers that, that need to reside within those buildings, we could track exactly who was within any of those buildings by pulling off some of that data um, out via some of the Zscale and Nanolog servers down into Syslog servers. And then we could put that up into an Azure data lake. Um, that enables us to then run complex analytics on that to, to look at the key time zones and the key office times within uh, all of those critical branch offices and then work out who is actually in the office at any one time. And to make sure that obviously as and when offices then reopened later, uh, as the COVID-19 uh, started easing a little bit within certain uh, regions, to track to make sure that we were making sure that we were adhering to those local legislation, making sure there was not more than 25% staff in an office and that we could do that appropriate social distancing. We could then produce uh, high-level metrics, which correlated into our Power BI dashboard, which also then looks at going through the, the checks to make sure people are going back into the office and that sort of health check data that we were getting from our users to make sure that everyone's feeling healthy as well. Um, and all of that data we were able to correlate back up. But that analytics data from rolling out uh, the client software as well as Zscaler within the branch offices enabled us to quite easily correlate and, and provide all that data analytics back to senior management. And I think that's something that people you know, forget or don't think of. If you take a step back and combine some of the data and fidelity you get, right? You talked earlier with your architecture that now you, you took you almost kind of separated the network aspect or connectivity from your business policy and how you handle the data. And when you do that, now you get that consistent view of users, applications, transactions that you would never get on a, just a general purpose corporate network. And I think, you know, some of those use cases like what you just described is a perfect example of leveraging your, your technology to then really drive informed business compliance and other decisions. Never in my career would I think that uh, a fire, a cloud firewall or a SD-WAN uh, technology would keep our people safe. And so in this, in this uh, challenging time we're going through now, we're able to look at saturation, adhere to local uh, laws and understand where our people are uh, and are they distancing and 
also keep them safe. So I think it's, again, never in my career will I have imagined this uh, to be to be the case. Yeah, exactly. This is Derek. And, and uh, Rob, that's actually a great segue to the, the question I wanted to ask um, you and Chris. Um, you know, back in November, uh, Gartner proposed this new model they call the Secure Access Services Edge or SASE um, that talks about, you know, thinning the branch architecture and just putting the services you need at the branch like SD-WAN and routing and a basic firewall and moving all of the security services off of, you know, heavy hardware laden infrastructure like putting next gen firewalls at every branch and moving it into the cloud for that agility and for these additional security functions to support remote workers. Um, you know, can you comment on, on how closely aligned you think your infrastructure is now to that, that SASE model? I, I have to admit, um, looking at the SASE model and looking at what a lot of their recommendations are, I think it's pretty much the direction we've been taking over the last few years. So we really tried to shrink the footprint at the branch office and look at really putting a lot of that core security that we have up into uh, the cloud as well. So if you look at the technologies that we've rolled out, we've rolled out SD-WAN, we've rolled out Zscaler, uh, we have things such as uh, Mimecast for email, as well as also um, CrowdStrike. So it's really looking at a lot of that cloud-based technology to kind of deliver that security model down to those clients. Um, and I think, pretty much most of the strategic direction we've chosen has very much aligned with the Gartner SASE model. Uh, and it works very, very well. It, it means that it's you can have a, a smaller and lighter footprint within uh, your operations team to really support that infrastructure moving forward and very much centralize the management of that as well. Yeah, so there's a couple different approaches that different vendors are taking to SASE. Some of our competitors are promoting the fact that you need it all from one vendor. Um, you need one throat to choke. You need one vendor that delivers the network and security. And, you know, not to speak for Zscaler, but our position is, is that security is really, really hard. And wide area networking is really, really hard. And what we believe customers really need is freedom of choice and the ability to choose best of breed networking and best of breed security. Um, you know, from our perspective, clearly you guys have done that, but it'd be great to hear from your perspectives, you know, the benefits you've received, why you did it that way and uh, anything else you'd like to comment on, on that. I'll, I'll comment in that. I think we're starting this journey. You should have a, a vision of the full stack of technology from the desktop and on up. And so that was our approach. Uh, if it was a single vendor model that made sense, we would have chosen that path. But I think there were just so many compelling reasons to choose multi-vendor in this experience. Um, um, but but I think what I really want to stress is having a strategy and understanding those things before you go on this journey. And we just happened to chose we we chose the vendors we thought were the very best fit for us, which included Silver Peak and Zscaler um, as as part of that part of that full stack. Yeah. I was just going to say, it, it's, it's worked out very nicely for us as well, because pretty much if you look at all the main partners that we've, we've chosen from a security model, there is integrations between all of those vendors as well to really make sure that 
yep, we may be going down a multi-vendor approach, but there's clear integrations and sharing of data and security models between those vendors, which has really helped to improve our security posture. That's great. I, I want to throw this out to, to all four of you guys here. Why is right now the right time for enterprises to begin their own journey? Well, I mean, I think even before COVID, the time was now, right? We have more of our applications leaving your environment. They're all going to SaaS or AWS or Azure. Our users were already being more mobile. We already had a changing workforce. We have a lot more partners and small companies and you know, third parties, independent contractors. You just have this big mix. So this um, legacy view of we have a corporate network, I have physical locations and people come to the office, just don't apply in this new gig economy and where things are going. But now when you add in uh, the impacts of something like a COVID and having to work from anywhere, you really have to take the view and assumption that, not necessarily that, oh, it used to be on-prem and now it's cloud. The view really needs to be that our users are gonna be anywhere and they're gonna be in my company or out of my company. Uh, our applications could be anywhere. It could be in the cloud or who knows, tomorrow we all insource them back to data centers. So when you take a view like that, that my users can be anywhere, my applications can be anywhere. So I need a flexible architecture that can support that. So I think, you know, right now everything's just accelerated the need to go down this journey. How do I have a flexible WAN through something like Silver Peak and SD-WAN? How do I have flexible internet access like through Zscaler? And how do I make that consistent so I can make agile business moves of, you know, acquiring companies or spinning them off, et cetera. So I would actually say that when COVID hit, people kind of patched their existing infrastructure environment to sort of survive. But now's the time where you can drive digital transformation and you have the support of the business to make those changes given the current environment. Yeah, and from the networking perspective, you know, uh, if we go back seven, 10 years ago when, when the majority of applications were hosted in the data center, you know, backhauling all the traffic from the branch offices where, you know, most workers worked, 80% of businesses transacted from branch offices, backhauling that to the data center made sense because that's where the apps were. Uh, but with the rapid migration to the cloud and, you know, analysts say that some 70 to 80% of workloads are now in the cloud, it just doesn't make sense. What we like to say at Silver Peak is, you know, why not use the internet to reach applications that are on the internet? Uh, but that brings about a number of challenges in terms of, of uh, reliability and performance as well as security. And that's what SD-WAN and what cloud-delivered security really are there to deliver. And for any organization where more than 50% of their apps are, are hosted in the cloud, I think um, if anything, you're late in uh, starting that journey. Uh, to transform the WAN and to transform uh, security. Uh, Robert, Chris, would love to have your perspectives too. Yeah, I think answering the why now and why not, uh, the pandemic has, has brought to, to light many of the great things that we've done in the last two plus years from SD-WAN to Zscaler to remote connectivity uh, knowing that our folks are anywhere and everywhere across the globe, this has is, is really um, 
uh, I'll just say shine during during this uh, challenging time that we're having right now. Not only was it providing um, better access and better user experience, um, but we were able to take advantage of offices being emptied and 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 getting more technology out there quicker and shifting quicker. So taking these the challenging times in an IT from an IT perspective uh, became easier to do things um, that could have taken years or or quite a few months to accomplish. We were able to pivot very quickly and get these things in in place. Now I. I bring this up for a reason that uh, nobody really knew um, that that COVID was going to hit as quickly and as as um, across the globe. And when you're looking at at a global firm, um, different offices closing, different opening again, and that kind of uh, ebb and flow of of the pandemic was really felt by by us. But um, because we were were agile and were able to make these shifts quickly. We didn't, we didn't feel that the same type of pain that that other firms do with their traditional technology. So um, I bring this up that our 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 leadership uh, is very tightly woven with our competitors. So they talk. Our CEOs talk to the other CEOs of our, our of similar firms. And everyone was saying what challenges there were and how how terrible the connectivity and the remote access was. And our executives were like, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this has been a great experience for us. And so um, it's very rare that uh, we, and when I say we, my team, uh, get accolades and, and um, attaboys and in this case, we uh, we were shining. So, so it sounds like this WAN and security transformation also delivered a competitive edge to your to your business. That's yeah, very proud to point that out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I got to admit, from an IT perspective, we pretty much had all the building blocks in place, and what we didn't have, we very quickly deployed and rolled out. Um, it really, during the pandemic, once we kind of got through those initial challenges of slightly high utilization of our internet links and just low balancing that traffic a little bit more across them, pretty much we used the, the COVID-19 as an opportunity to, to really go through and deploy the remaining Zscaler sites. Um, so if we look at what we did in our, our first year, we rolled out 150 sites. Literally within six weeks, we rolled out another 80 sites and just rolled it out to some of the remaining offices. Uh, and we had that opportunity because we'd already gone ahead with that digital transformation work and that challenge over the last couple of years to get to where we are today. Thank you to Robert and Chris from Cushman and Wakefield. Also, thank you to our partners, Zscaler and Silverpeak, Bill and Derek, for providing great information over this three-part series. I encourage you to listen to the first two episodes of the series, fantastic content that you can find in the resource library at cdmmedia.com. If you want more information about Zscaler, you can reach out to Bill at blapp, B-L-A-P-P, -P, at zscaler.com, and Derek at 
dgranath, D-G-R-A-N-A-T-H at silver-peak.com. Thank you for listening to CDM Media Solutions Spotlight.